Greetings, with lovers, everybody. I I am so so excited for today because I am here with the family trio, Gwen, Elizabeth, and Nancy, and they are the writers of Gwen Jorgensen, USA's first Olympic gold medal triathlete, as well as a family journey version of this as well. And this That's is just right. such a special day for me. Because not only is it my last interview of the year, but also I could never have imagined that I'm going to be interviewing an Olympic gold medalist like seven months ago. Like, younger me, well, I guess not that much younger, um, they would have said, like, you're out of your mind, but I'm not today. And I'm so, so excited. I've talked to literacy advocates, podcast hosts, kindness advocates, and now... This is definitely one that's going to go in my memory book for 2022. And this and this is a tale of perseverance, hope, resilience, and what's more, the true meaning of family bonds and togetherness. Today, I'm so, so honored to be talking with the American awesomeness trio, Gwen, Elizabeth, and Nancy. Gwen is a mother. Also, you know an Olympic gold medalist. And we also have Nancy Jorgensen, an author and musician, as well as Gwen's sister, author and award-winning educator, Elizabeth. Thank you all so much for joining me today. I'm so honored to have you all here today. Thank you. Thank we are you. so happy to be here. I'm, I'm so happy that you're all here, and I'm glad that you could all make it. And it may be cloudy in, in California right now, but like my smile is probably gonna make that sun come out because I'm so so thrilled. And for everyone listening, when I was first contacted by Elizabeth about reading their amazing story and told I could have the chance to talk with all three of them about their journey, I was beyond excited, but also really grateful. And ever since reading their book, Gwen Jorgensen, USA's first Olympic gold medal triathlete, published by Meyer and Meyer Sport, in one sitting. It was that good. I've just been so, so, so anticipating this chat. And my first question is for all three of you. So I just loved how detailed Gwen's story is. And I learned so much about not just her, but your entire family's journey from reading this book. And what's extra special is that you all were influential in the writing process. So can you talk about all of your roles in writing Gwen's biography? Follow up. Was it a smooth writing process together? I think it was a smooth writing process. And I think I've, I've been thinking about why that is. And I think it's because we were so busy. Um, Elizabeth was working and Gwen was um, training and getting ready to have a new baby. And um, I've got other things that I'm, I'm a retired educator now, but um, we were just all so busy. We didn't have time to disagree about things. And we, <laughs> we just kind of... Um, Elizabeth and I served sort of as Gwen's ghostwriters, but then it, everything went through Gwen and she corrected things for us and added things. And I feel like Elizabeth was the creative um, mastermind. Um, I took care of some of the details and um, some of the finer points and it just all kind of came together. Yeah, I really think uh, mom and Elizabeth, they did a lot of the the actual writing. And as she said, I did a lot of the reading and editing, and they took a lot of pieces from my journals as well. So I was providing a lot of artifacts throughout the book. Um, but I would say Elizabeth and, and mom are definitely the, the stars of the writing. 
but you're the reason like we we were only writing it because you really wanted to inspire young readers to have a goal to chase a dream um kind of like what you were saying e-train to just like read it and then be inspired to do something with it well that's so awesome it was a smooth journey but also that you all had a huge role in it and like Gwen said, you talked a lot about journaling. You gave some journalism tips, journal slash diary, and about, like, you write your goals, accomplishments, failures, I guess you could say, but they're not really failures. They always lift you up. And all these different things. So for all of you, what are your journal tips? I would say be consistent. So I think it's easy to do something if you do it every day. And so for me, I journal every day and that consistency holds me accountable. And as well, don't fret about how much or what you're writing, just write. So it doesn't need to be perfect. And it just needs to, to be done every day with consistency. I would say that would be my biggest tip. Well, I'm hoping to start a journal after reading your story. So Thank you for the tip. I'm going to get started on that. And I'm just really curious to know, Nancy, so it's pretty well known that parents of elite athletes often make sacrifices to help their children follow their dreams. So can you talk about some of the things that you went through to enable Gwen to reach her goals, like making sure Gwen made it to practices, classes, meets, and other competitions? Life was very busy and we, we did make time to get her to all those things. Plus Elizabeth was an active athlete and they both were musicians and it was a very busy time, but I don't, I don't think of it as sacrifices as much as I think of it as choices. So, um, and just decisions that were right for us at the time. So for instance, instead of having a very large house or fancy cars or lots of, um, uh, you know, cable. Just, oh, we didn't have cable. We're we very... didn't have an answering machine. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of the things our friends had. E-Train e -train might not even know what an answering machine is. Right. I watched some 80s TV, so <laughs> I think I do. I know. Okay. So, you know, the, the choice was we we decided we wanted to put time and money into what our kids were doing. And so we we did that and put our money there instead of into cable TV and answering machines. <laughs> so it wasn't really a sacrifice. It was just a choice um, and what we thought was best at the time. When you talk a lot about that in terms of not calling it a sacrifice. Yes, and viewing it as an investment. So a lot of times I think if you view something as a sacrifice, I think it can just have this negative connotation in our brain. And so just calling it an investment and realizing that, what you're doing is investing in yourself is a huge mind shift that I think helped me be successful. And I think that that cord that correlates to what I just said was we didn't think that we were sacrificing so our kids could have something. We just invested in them the best that we could. Well, I love that term investments because it really was because both Gwen and Elizabeth achieved their dreams thanks to the investments that you made and. For Elizabeth, there's always that little bit of sibling rivalry. So being the sister of an athlete like Gwen also must have kind of had its challenges. Did the two of you always get along? 
I think we're very much like most siblings that we can get on each other's nerves, but that we really enjoy each other and we appreciate the other person for who they are. Um, I am very proud to be Gwen's biggest fan. And I think that I have always been Gwen's biggest fan. Like even in high school, when she would go to meets, I would decorate the car or get the whole family to do cheers. It, it It's always just been something that I've really enjoyed cheering her on. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think that it was a struggle. People often ask like, did you get jealous of her or did people compare you? And I don't, mom and dad never did. Like I never felt like I wasn't good enough because I wasn't achieving at the same athletic level. Um, well, how do you view our relationship, Gwen? Yeah. Same as you said early on. And I think the, the biggest thing is like, I remember you being so engaging and, and wanting to be at my races. And like you said, decorating cars, like you have been embarrassing me by going over the top and being a fan since I was very little. And I think that's just been our dynamic. Like Elizabeth just, she kind of fell into that role and loved it and did it in a way that would embarrass me. And, but you know, I, I still like, you know, I, it was her way of almost like showing me love and appreciating what I was doing. So yeah, like she said, um, Elizabeth has never seemed like she was jealous in any way. And I think that is a testament to our parents and, and just showing us unconditional love. Well, I love that so much. That's the best kind of relationship, like both cheering each other on. And my next question is, was there some kind of, because you traveled to all of Gwen's competitions, well, as many as you could. So there must have been something pretty interesting that happened along those. Is there like a funny or interesting story about like the traveling to the competitions, did a car break down, something like that? I heard Oh, well that, yeah, I've got, I've got another one that I'm thinking of. Um, yes. In one of Gwen's very early races, she was racing in Canada in, mm -hmm. I think it's called Coteau de Lac, which is close to Montreal, where it's a French speaking community. Mm -hmm. And so we flew in to Montreal and rented a car and we were, we had to make our way to the hotel. Well, we flew in on a day that I, we didn't even realize it was a big um, Canadian holiday. Uh, and so there were you know, fireworks and events going on. And we're trying to make our way to the hotel. And so we get in the traffic and we turn into the street that we think we're supposed to go on. And all of a sudden it's moving very slowly. And we realize that in front of us is a float and behind us oh. is a band. And we have turned into the parade for the <laughs> Canadian national holiday. And we just, you know, my husband said, well, just wave. And so we just gave them the royal wave. <laughs> and because we were going so slow, we could take some time to look at the map. And we did eventually spy our hotel and just kind of just very calmly pulled out of the parade and into the hotel. <laughs> wow. Do any of you have some interesting stories? Which one were you thinking of, Gwen? Well, the Arby's one. Oh, oh gosh. Well, so this was, this was what, in high school? We were traveling Maybe, to yeah, earlier, or college yeah. or earlier? earlier. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, and I'm a bad traveler. I get cranky and I often struggle with some stomach issues. Mm -hmm. And so we were in the car for what seemed like, I don't know, 
20 hours and we woke up and I was not happy and everything was annoying me. And so I saw a large glowing Arby's hat like that they have. And I was just like, that hat is making me angry. And it just, it's become part of our family lexicon now that every time we see an Arby's had it we just say that it makes us angry but I I was thinking of the time we got that flat tire or didn't the car or the battery died or something we were in Florida yeah. what was it yeah we were in Florida and we had rented a car and it was again an early race and Gwen I think you were you know not real comfortable with this triathlon competition and she wanted to get there early and we come out of the hotel and go to the car and the battery is dead and so, you know, Gwen is panicking. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And my husband said, just calm down. We'll call the rental company. And um, as it turned out, it was all fine. Um, but yeah, it was a moment of panic. But yeah, I think, you know, um, going back to that RV story, the, what I love about that is I know my sister doesn't love traveling and yet she travels to see my races. And that is really important to me. She even travels out to see um, my kids now and you know she's coming out for the holidays and I just know every time she travels I think of that story and I just am so appreciative that she is actually traveling because I know that that is not her favorite thing to do well a very very silly stories but also kind of heartwarming because like <laughs> your sister always flies out for all of your competitions and well I guess flat tire you it's not all and or running out of battery it's you never lose hope and, <laughs> yeah. and this, wow i love it i knew that there would probably be something but our arby's hat and <laughs> I, i'm sorry but that, wow <laughs> but i think you know that it is like you were saying when you're with your family you feel like even when you're very irritated or even when the car battery dies, you know that there's people around you who are going to help you, who are going to calm you down, who are going to make you feel better or tease you for years. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's what family's all about, teasing, but also being there for each other. And yeah. now, what is the main message that you'd like readers to take away from your story? For all of you. I'll, I'll go first. I, I think I want parents to know that you can't create an Olympian, that you can't just, you know, they're not a cookie that you can put all the right things in the bowl and mix it up and give it some heat and churn out an Olympian. And, you know, the, um, I think the best thing that parents can do for their kids is let them find something they love that they love, not that the parent loves, and then allow them to really pursue that passion but then balance it, make sure that you instill some balance into their lives so that they don't get so obsessed with that one thing that they love, but you've given them some other things that, that just provide balance. And maybe if the, the passion doesn't work out, they've got a place to go and also just enrich their lives with, with many things in addition to that passion. Yeah. And I think, you know, the book, the, the main reason I actually asked Elizabeth and mom to, to write this book, because there weren't many middle grade autobiographies about females. And so I thought it was just a, a unique opportunity to show young women that they too can be the hero in the story and that, um, you know, they can persevere and overcome. And so hopefully it's something that's inspiring to, to young adults. And I think as an English teacher, I want a kid to pick up a book and just 
enjoy it. And I know that my favorite books are often about celebrities. And so I hope that some kid maybe who has the same liking of things would, would you know, pick up this book and just enjoy it. For Elizabeth, you're a creative, creative writing and journalism teacher. And I imagine you had quite a bit of input helping write Gwen and your family's story. And after doing some research, I read that among many other accomplishments, like being named Arrowhead Union High School Teacher of the Year, as well as having published another book this year titled Hacking Students' Learning Habits. Oh no, you know my secrets. And as also, you write a form of Korean poetry. Wow. Can you share a bit about how you started your writing journey and maybe a bit about how you found your way into writing Korean poetry? Yeah, I've always been a writer, um, you know, like just writing little articles I wrote for my high school newspaper. Um, and then, you know, when I became an English teacher, I continued writing. I found these journals or websites that would publish articles that I would write about. And, you know, I think that mom was in a lot of ways, my mentor. And like I saw her, she published um, a teaching book about choral education, about music education. And she also had some articles published. And so I just kind of saw what I could do by modeling her. Um, and then she also would be my writing partner. We would pass things back and forth and she would help me with different things. And, um, and you know, I just, the, the hacking student learning habits book that actually somebody reached out to me because they had seen one of those articles and mm -hmm. they had said, we think that what you wrote in this article could be a full book. Um, and so they asked me at times 10 to actually write that book. Um, and so that was, it was, you know, humbling and also very cool to have somebody reach out and say that they thought I should write a book. Um, the Korean poetry, Shijo, that one about 10 years ago, I stumbled upon the Shejong Cultural Society. They're a nonprofit out of Chicago that tries to promote Korean culture in the United States. And I'm always looking for places for my students to send off their work, to publish it or to enter it into competitions. And this Shejong Cultural Society had a Shijo writing competition. And a Shijo is a Korean form of poetry, kind of like haiku, if you know haiku. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very similar to that. And so um, after learning about it and sharing it with my students, I fell in love with the form. And now, almost a decade later, uh, we have a book out, as you mentioned, Shijo Korea's Poetry Forum. And it really is marketed towards teachers who want to teach uh, Shijo in their classrooms, but also to poets, anyone who's interested in, in poetry forms. Wowzers. Yes. <laughs> you You've done so much for writing as well as a teacher. You, like, I'm kind of speechless after that. That's so cool that you've done all of that. And, of course, you still, you're still a high school teacher who has to, all the regular commitments and craziness of school. And now this next question is one thing that stood out for me was the mention of, was just Gwen's pursuit of her goal to compete in the Olympics. Like, Gwen, you faced so many challenges, but you overcame all of that. You overcame adversity, and you didn't care what the media said. You just kept running, biking, and swimming. So can you share some insight into how you were able to stay on the path of your dreams, even when the road got bumpy or off course? 
Yeah. To start, I just, I just want to say, you know, when I was in high school, I think I really paid attention to what other people thought about me. And that really held me back as an athlete. And as I grew older, I realized that it doesn't matter what other people are saying, as long as I'm doing my best and investing in myself, I, I can only control myself. I can't control what other people do. And so that was a big learning experience for me. And I think it's, so relevant, especially these days with social media. I think people can hear all these negative things coming from people who aren't their inner circle. And I think it's really important to stay true to yourself and to only rely on those people that are in your inner inner circle that you trust. But yeah, I mean, you know, persevering, I think a a big reason I was able to persevere was going back to that journaling e-train that we were talking about earlier, earlier. And every day in my journal, I would write down three things I did well, in addition to three things I could improve. But the three things I could do well were the things that really kept me motivated in those times when um, things didn't go well. You know, in the 2012 Olympics, I got a flat tire. There were races where I didn't finish um, because I was doing so poorly, or there was a race where I got lapped out. So in those instances, I went back to my journal and realized I had been doing everything right. I had been putting in consistent, good effort and intent every day. And I knew that I just needed to be patient in order for that to pay off. I think a lot of times people quit too soon. My next question is for Nancy. As a mom and a role model, what do you think the most important thing is a parent can do to keep their child focused on following their dreams? Um... I think a lot of it was, I kind of answered before when, when I said, you know, parents can't create an Olympian, but they can create the very best version of whatever child they've been, has been born into their family. And so uh, just allowing them to do what they love to do, encouraging them to do that. um, And then providing all the kind of the guardrails when, when things go wrong, be the, be the supporter, be the, um, be the person of, be the adult in the room and insist that they, they do the things that are expected and needed and just kind of be, be the nurturing force to let them be whoever they, whoever they really truly are. As spectators, we see the winners receive their medals and the music is proudly played. Woo! <laughs> Most of us have no idea what happens next. So your book talks a bit about what you and your family experienced after winning the gold, which I found really interesting. So can you each share what it felt like after Gwen won first place and what the celebration was like afterwards? Sure, I I guess I can start. Um, You know, it's exhausting, honestly, but it's super fun. And I, I was just running on adrenaline. I remember that specific day of the Olympics, the the race was in the morning. What was it at like 11 a.m., mom? Yes. And I didn't get a shower until like midnight. And Whoa. so I was going off and, you know, I went to all these interviews and media. And yeah. um, I think the the hardest part for me was I knew my family was going to meet me at Team USA. Uh, Triathlon was having a little party. And I remember they were waiting for me there and I was doing these other interviews. So the hardest part for me was just knowing like, I really just want to be with my family and my friends. And instead I was um, doing some media, which was also fun. But I think, you know, when you do something like that, when you win an Olympic gold medal, it's not just me winning it. It's those people who have supported me. And I really wanted to, to be with them celebrating. 
we were in the stands. There were like 18 of us in this group that had traveled from all across the country to come and cheer Gwen on in Rio. And um, part of that group were like media connections or sponsors for Gwen. And so I remember there was a woman there from Red Bull and she was telling us what to expect. Like we had no idea. We'd been to other races where Gwen would um, have to go and get some drug testing. But within an hour or so, we were with her and then we were you know, we had like the whole day together. Um, but this this woman who was working with Gwen kind of said, oh, no, no, it's very different when it's the Olympics. And so she walked us through all of these responsibilities that Gwen had. And so it was like Gwen said, you know, we wanted to celebrate together, but we also knew she had these obligations. I think one of the funniest things was, um, like Elizabeth said, we, you know, we are used to waiting a little bit, but then we had to wait longer. And Gwen was off at the International Broadcast Center. And then she came back to the NBC Center. And she told you, you know, she didn't really get a full meal until much, much later. And so she she was sitting in the um, the chair in the green room. Somebody was doing her hair and another person was doing her makeup. And she said, I'm so hungry. And Elizabeth said, well, there's somebody did bring takeout for you. There was some steak and broccoli in this styrofoam container probably cold and Gwen said well just cut it up and feed it to me <laughs> and so Gwen was sitting there and three people were working on her the hairdresser the makeup <laughs> artist and the the, the food feeder <laughs> I have a new role I'm the feeder <laughs> yeah. please add that to the dictionary the food feeder yes, yes. <laughs> well I mean I understand like you have to do all this media stuff till like midnight you don't get to celebrate like I mean that's still super duper cool like you get to do that media stuff but also like the emotions that must have been going through your head and like you can't be with the people that have helped you for so long and celebrate it with you but it's still like at least you got to make it back for the team USA triathlon event and yeah so my next question is I don't know if you can share this, but where is your gold medal now? Do you get to keep it? I do get to keep it. It is in a safe in my house, but I do like to share it with others. I think, you know, having a gold medal, that's something that's really unique. And um, so like, for instance, I went, I live in Boulder, Colorado now, and I went uh, to a high school and did a little run event and I brought the um, gold medal there so that people could see it and hold it. And I think that's something that's, um, yeah, really, really unique and special. I'm going to mute. George is here. Hold on. I'm going to feed him. She, Gwen did, though. Every every family <laughs> event that we have, she would bring the gold medal. She would let people put it around their neck. And then you know how people like bite the gold medal? Have you seen them do this? Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Yes, then people would be like biting Gwen's gold medal. And she just was so giving. And like, you know, it's probably the only time like in our lives that we'll have the opportunity to see a gold medal, much less like have the chance to wear it and feel it. It's really, it's neat that she's so giving, you know, that she doesn't protect it in a glass box. And So I'm a huge sports fan as well as an extremely picky eater. I always have been, both of them. So I'm curious to know, Gwen, about the diet of a professional athlete. Do you have certain comfort foods or dietary restrictions you have to follow? I wouldn't say I have dietary restrictions, but I eat very healthy. 
Um, I like to see green in all my meals. Um, and you know, my husband is somebody, he cooks almost all of our meals. And so he kind of knows what I need, but you know, a lot of it too, I work out so much. I just need a lot of calories. So a lot of it's focusing on healthy foods, but also just getting in enough calories so that I'm able to recover and perform. You're a very adventurous eater. I am. I, it is like whenever, yeah, I'm probably the complete opposite of you, E-Train, because whenever I go to a race, the one thing I want to do is experience their local cuisine. And that's kind of my way of sightseeing. I just like to, yeah, figure out whatever the locals eat and, and try it out, whatever it is. Talk about your eatcation. Yes, we've gone on, um, my husband and I, we, we haven't in a few years, but for like five years in a row, instead of a vacation, we'd go on an eatcation where we would just go to places that we thought had the best food and the whole vacation was just planned around restaurants and, and going to eat. And sometimes you did it at home and you had rules that you could not cook at home. You couldn't even eat a banana at home. Every single meal had to be in a restaurant, even though you were in your house in your hometown. Yes, it was super fun though. And I think it really, um, you know, it, it's also all allowed us and taught us how to create different meals at home. You know, Patrick can create almost a meal from almost any country, which I think is pretty unique and, and something that we enjoy. And you have to talk about your dessert slash well, my, chocolate. Yes, I do have dark chocolate. I actually just ordered 24 bars because they were on sale. I don't know if you saw that on your account, Elizabeth. But, <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have a piece of dark chocolate after every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's something that um, is just, it satisfies me. And I think, you know, mom, you always really like desserts. And I think we had desserts at the end of every meal. And I think my body's just been trained to have some sort of dessert. So by every meal, did you also have dessert after breakfast? <laughs> well, I don't know, mom, you didn't really, but um, I still have chocolate after breakfast. This question is for all of you. And every single person I interview has answered this question. Um, if you could be or meet any literary character, it could you could meet your favorite author or your favorite book character character who would it be and why i have to say andy cohen i don't know if you know who andy cohen is i do not okay he has um he's in charge of bravo the tv station and he has a bunch of books like the andy cohen diaries which are modeled on the andy warhol diaries um i'm just a huge pop culture specifically real housewives fan and he's the creator of real housewives and he has really? these books and yes and so i would say andy cohen i'm gonna go with andre agassi i think his book was one of the first books that i read that got me really reintroduced or reinterested in reading. I took some time off from not reading. And um, after reading his book, I thought, wow, like if books are written well, that really inspires the reader and, and can be engaging. Are you talking about open? Yes. Yeah. Have you read it? Oh, yes. It's great. I mean, Andre Agassi didn't write it. He had a ghostwriter, but um, it was just a motivating book. And I, I just was really engaged that entire book. And I'm going to go with Emily Dickinson because you see these pictures of her where she looks so prim and proper and staid and serious. And then I watched the TV series called Dickinson where she's portrayed as this lively, outgoing, outrageous kind of um, 
but not not a rule follower at all. And I would just like to know what the what the real story on her is. Well, those are all great answers. And while I did not know who Andy Cohen was, I think that I need to maybe if it's not a kid's book when I'm older, read his stories. And of course, we have to include Emily Dickinson and Andre Agassi, two legends in their respective fields. So those are all some great answers and some book recommendations for all of you. And speaking of book recommendations, everybody, you got to read Gwen Jorgensen, USA's first Olympic gold medal triathlete, probably one of the best, if not the best, autobiography I've ever read. So, so great. Thank you all so much for being here. It has been an honor and I hope all of you listening have loved our chat as well and are inspired to go out there and take on the world and never give up. You're amazing. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Well, thank you to all of you. It's been such a dream come true to have you here. And keep on going with all of your dreams, everybody. And Elizabeth, Nancy, and Gwen, you're so amazing. And this book is going to inspire so many young readers and all readers alike to follow their dreams and never, ever, ever give up and persevere. So thank you for all that you do. And everybody listening, if you've not checked out this book yet, you've got to. You're going to learn all about not just Gwen's journey to the Olympics, like in Rio and all and all of the training when she was an adult, but also about her as a kid and all that she had to go through to reach where she is today. It's such an engaging read, but also such an important one as well. You're going to love it, everybody. And this may have been my last interview of 2022, but certainly one of my favorites. So I can't wait to see what happens in 2023. And everybody, as always, keep reading, stay safe. And maybe one day, if you keep following your dreams like Gwen did, you might have an Olympic gold medal or whatever your equivalent of an Olympic gold medal is in your hands one day. Bye.